Okay, so maybe we're not quite all the way back, uh, but it was a week and it was a win for Michigan, 52 to nothing as the Wolverines cruise past Rutgers in the final game of the infamous Chris Ash era. Welcome to 16 Saturdays. Nick Fogel here with my brother, Will. Will Lashanatova, happy new year. How are we doing tonight? A happy new year to you, brother. And I'll tell you what, Rutgers can stay in the Big Ten. Uh, I have to apologize for years after this game, we're always kind of using this whole time to talk about how much of a waste of a week it was. But after what we saw in the first three weeks of the year, this was a lot of fun. It was a lot of fun to beat up on a team. Thank you, Chris Ash. You will be sorely missed <laughs> for weeks like this. We, I think the whole fan base needed a, a moment to just take, take a break and and feel good about themselves and playing a high school team like Rutgers will will do yeah, that. It probably would have been cheaper and better for the environment to play against Pioneer, uh, but not clear that we would have won in such a dominating fashion. <laughs> I could just hear the the Rutgers fans just rolling over. Do you think there are actually stop there? Are there Rutgers fans? You know. They do fill that roughly fill that stadium, which is impressive. I mean, a Rutgers fan, if you ever meet a Rutgers fan, you really have to buy them a drink because that is loyalty. I'm not sure if Michigan went three and 20 and three and 30 or whatever they've been over the last three years of the Chris Ash era. I'm not sure how many Michigan fans would be remaining in the stadium. No, I don't think there'd be too many. It's and it is the SHI stadium, they 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 sold the, yeah. the, the naming rights. Which I guess is something that's maybe happening more and more frequently. But when you're not selling any tickets and you're paying your coach $11 million to win two games a season. Uh, and, and to be fair, that's $11 million over five years. But still, $11 million for, for two wins. Uh, you got you to gotta find the money somewhere. Yeah. Yeah. That's, uh, well, well, we'll get to the too much money in football talk. Nick, let's start with the good. Because last week we didn't get to do any of that. And we were, we were kind of off our game. There was a couple of good things that I saw in this game. You got any you want to start with? Yeah, you know what? Let's give it let's give credit where it's due. Shea Patterson has been beat up for his performance thus far uh in, in the twenty nineteen season, but he was good on Saturday. He made good throws, made good reads. Obviously the three touchdowns with his with his feet were nice. They were short yardage plays, but still good to see the offense clicking inside the red zone. That has not always been the case. Um I thought Shea. I thought Shea played a good game. Yeah, Shea looked good. Shea actually looked like 2018 Shea, uh, which may or be be good or bad when we get to the tougher games on the schedule. But he looked much more comfortable in this kind of play action first style offense, where he had one or two reads rather than reading across the field. And those little uh, kind of rollouts at the goal line played well in our favor. Yeah, this was the Shea. I, I think. I think that's right. I don't think he progressed a lot from last year in this game. He didn't look like, you know, 
markedly better, but he did, certainly didn't look worse. In the first couple of games this season, he has not looked comfortable. It felt like the game was coming to him more. Again, we'll talk about the Rutgers effect, but I think you got to take the good where you can get it. Shea Patterson, good good performance this week. Will, what else What else you got for us? Nick Quiddy Pay Across the defensive line, we saw much better performances, which I think was entirely them and not the competition. Quiddy Pay really stood <laughs> out. Uh, he was in the quarterback's grill all day. Ended up with uh, a sack and a half, I believe, three and a half tackles for loss, and just was a dominant presence on the outside. Uche also looked good on that D-line, but Quiddy Pay is probably my star of the game. Will, what do you think about Cam McGrone? A lot of people thinking that maybe he's the next Devin Bush. For for better or worse, he was our best linebacker out there today. Um, A little bit of a shaky game out of Glasgow, and Cam McGrone, he looked comfortable, and he looked fast. Yeah, he really flashed some some exciting things in that Wisconsin game. Maybe the one lone bright, bright spot. Had we done a a good, you could have had that one play where he uh, stopped Jack Cohn in his tracks on the third down conversion before uh, Wisconsin scored on the on the fourth down. But he he followed that up with a with a really solid game. And now there's going to be sort of an interesting question this week. I think at linebacker, if Josh Ross is able to go, what are you going to do with McGrone Hudson? Ross and Glasgow, I, I think you have to find a way to get McGurn on the field. The, the, as good as he's played the past couple of weeks, it seems like he's got to be an every down player. Yeah, I, I think that's right. I think he's got more upside than Glasgow at this point. Unfortunately, I don't think this conversation is going to happen this week because Josh Ross looks like he's still going to be out. Um, they're, they're saying he's unlikely for this weekend. But another guy I'd like to see more of, Nick, and we're seeing him as an ascending player, as, as Coach would say, Dax Hill. A strong game from him. Uh, Particularly loved, he really looked Jabril-esque coming around that wide receiver block to stymie that screen in the backfield. Love to watch him use his speed uh, doing that. Yeah, this is a guy who, when Michigan reaches the later stages of their schedule and you start to play those teams that can really spread you out, uh, and I'm thinking mostly of Ohio State here, but but also Notre Dame and, and, and Penn State, having Dax Hill on the field is going to be so important. So good to see him going through the process. He's only four games in. He's still 18 years old. Uh, Dax Hill really coming along. It will be interesting to see where they can get him on the field. If Brad Hawkins, who I think also had a good game today, if he continues to be a rock in the secondary, it would be interesting to me to see if you might end up moving Dax Hill down into playing more of that uh, kind of weak side linebacker position when you're playing against some real speed and space teams like the Ohio States of the world. We'll have an interesting decision to make. Yeah. I mean, Khalid Hudson has struggled a little bit in coverage. It's definitely not his strong suit. You, you do wonder a little bit. I don't think you could get away with having Hudson off the field because of his, his run uh, ability, but there would be an argument. I see more of a Glasgow replacement actually than, than a Hudson replacement. I mean, that, you, you saw Glasgow getting his, his ankles broken uh, by the Rutgers running back. you got to imagine Dax Hill is making that tackle, or at least keeping up. He's not getting beat to the edge. Uh, yeah, like although the did. one, you do have to say, that the two good players for Rutgers, Isaiah Pacheco and Raheem Blackshear, those are the guys that made Glasgow look a little foolish. Those are sort of caliber players that are a normal Big Ten, you know, good players in the Big Ten. So no Rutgers effect there. Well, moving to the meh, um, I'm going to say, you know, you said the D-line looked good. I think Uche and Pei looked good. 
Hutchinson flashed some good stuff, but the D tackles, I think solidly in the meh category, sort of a wait and see because Rutgers effect, but didn't see a whole lot of Hinton or Smith was hoping to see more of them. They only played late in the game. Apparently, you know, there's a little bit of uh, hype this week. Some of the quotes from Harbaugh saying that Maisie Smith in particular is coming along, but I was hoping to see them more. It was good to see that Dwumfor was back. Jeter was, was back, but, um, Neither of them made a whole lot, uh, you know, a, a whole lot of plays. So I think that it's it's still a pretty pretty panic situation there at the D tackle spot. Yeah, the, you're absolutely right to point that out. That is a scary scary spot for us. For me, also, Nick, a lot was made on the broadcast of Gaddis being on the sideline and this being a game changer. With all due respect to Gaddis and his pep talks, I think the game changer was probably the opponent. Um, and I just don't know how much of a difference Gaddis on the sideline is really making one way or another. I think we'll know a lot more after after next game. I mean, I, th- I think that's probably right. And look, it, we're not, you know, we're not a, a, on the team. We're not able to feel the psyche of the team. I did like watching him. It's probably more of a, you know, it's good for the fans to see some energy on the offensive side. I just feel like the past couple of years, the offense has not had a vocal leader in the co- on the coaching side. Don Brown is a vocal leader who sort of brings the passion every week. Harbaugh is really is a laid back guy. Pep Hamilton was in the booth, and even when he wasn't, seemed like a pretty laid back, relaxed guy. I like to see Gaddis, you know, passionate, getting you know, getting into guys' faces a little bit. Not not. I don't think he you know pushed any lines, and obviously you wouldn't expect that in a game against Rutgers, but. I think stirring the pot a little bit seems like something this offense could use and, and seeing him do that, I think was encouraging. Yeah. Yeah. Well, there's not going to be a lot of this, Nick, but let's get to the, uh, we, we do have a mandated good uh, schedule. And I think there was a little, uh, to be found in this game. Um, I'll, I'll start. I was sad to see no RPOs. Um, I guess speed and space isn't really a direction that we're going this year. What we saw in this game was really last year's offense. And last year's offense was good, uh, especially after the first three weeks of the year. I think we can agree uh, that, you know, maybe we were counting last year, neglecting last year's offense um, and, and disparaging it perhaps more than we should have. But I'm not sure last year's offense is going to beat Ohio State. And if you were going to keep going with the RPO system, if you were going to try to be spreading the ball out more, you would have thought that there would have been more reps practicing that against Rutgers. Yeah, this did feel like a big storyline that folks haven't talked a lot about. Is is this still Josh Josh Gaddis's offense? I mean, he was on the sideline; he was the visible presence of it. But it did feel like, from a game plan perspective, this was a reversion back to last year. That's sort of what I was calling for. I think you were saying you got to you got to stick with your horse. You got to you got to go with uh, uh, the the offense that you've invested in. And I was sort of saying, I don't know. This is a time when you you don't you can't afford to have a couple more disastrous games. There's not that much time to to learn the offense. And maybe it's time. Maybe it's a, a moment where you say, Look, we've got we've got the Rutgers week. Let's go back to some concepts that worked for us last year. Let's let's at least be sure we can do those things. And maybe we build in or sprinkle in some of the things that Josh Gaddis long-term wants to do, but realize that it's not working right now. And I think there was sort of a, an admission, it seems like, that what we were doing the first three weeks wasn't working, and we're going to go back to some of the things that were working last year. I don't know I don't know if that's the right play, but that's certainly the way it seemed like on the, on the field. Yeah. 
Yeah, that's that's what we're doing. And and frankly, if all we're going to get is the first three weeks of offense, I agree with this change. I, I think it maybe limits your upside for this year, but limiting downside isn't such a bad thing either. Uh, well, I think you kind of have to limit downside, right? You have to say if Michigan loses badly to Iowa or Michigan loses, the offense doesn't get it together until Notre Dame or, or later, Harbaugh is not going to have a job. Right. At a certain point, you have to have momentum or the offense can't get it together. I was really impressed. And I think one thing we should have highlighted in the good was the morale of this team. Yes, it's easier to do this at home. It's easier to do it against Rutgers. But the fan base folded over the last week and the team did not. That team looked sharp from minute one, from the from the opening kickoff. Uh, this team came out ready to play. And you, you don't do that if you have a bad loss after Iowa, after uh, Illinois, you know, that could get ugly. I think that's true. I do think you can read a little bit too much into MGO blog commenters and inter- internet board uh, prognosticators. Vocab word there for you. A- and it's always going to be negative there. There's never anything that's going to be... Not a lot of happy people on the board. Not, not a lot of happy people posting after losses. So I'm surprised there aren't therapy ads on there. Like, you know, there's, I think there's online mental health therapy and that would be a good place for like, are you depressed? <laughs> like, do you find it difficult to get out of bed in the morning? <laughs> Call us. <laughs> yeah. But I don't know. I mean, the therapist might just be like, you know what? Stop watching football. <laughs> There's your answer. <laughs> it's a short term. It's a short term gain for Brian and the folks that go blog, but long term they're losing their, uh, Right. Well, should we get into the obvious big question of the day, which is, we've sort of alluded to it so far, but how big is the Rutgers caveat? The $8 million caveat. Yeah. Because uh. <laughs> <laughs> most things were good. This was a good, generally fun game. It was It was like what I would hope a week one would look like. Week one, you just come out and you kind of, everything's more or less clicking and you crush the team, and you sort of worry later if you can really read into right. it. But we've got three weeks of data that says we're pretty shaky, and then one week where we just absolutely rip through Rutgers. So what do we say? Unfortunately, I think this game says very, very little about the defense. Um, and the other data points that we got this weekend were not encouraging for the defense. Iowa really allowed nothing from Middle Tennessee and Northwestern held Wisconsin to, you know, a very, very low scoring game. So biggest concerns are on the defensive side of the ball. I think this did say if we shift to last year's offensive philosophy, we still have an offense that's going to be as good as last year. And that was a good offense. That's an offense that that will win you some games. Yeah, I think the defense is really the concern. And that, that Northwestern Wisconsin one was was alarming to me. Wisconsin scored two defensive touchdowns in that game. So they only had 10 points on offense and we couldn't stop Wisconsin at all. So I am very concerned. I think the D tackles again, I put him in the Mac category this week. Just, you just can't really tell that much. I think we're going to find out against Iowa, whether this defense is going to have a chance at being competent. Iowa is not an amazing team, but they're very disciplined. They're very solid at what they do. If we can come out and, and sort of show a, a, a strong performance there, it gives you hope that we can sort of build on that. And by the time you hit the latter latter half of the schedule, you're in a good place. Uh, 
but I think I think you really can't learn much from from a team that just has no pulse on offense. Yeah, I was happy to see the defense experimenting with some cover two, playing some zone, not sticking with the man to man on the outside. Um, I think that is going to be something we're going to need to use later in the year. And it was encouraging to see Don Brown experimenting, testing some things out against Rutgers. That's right. Will, before we go to the break, can we do a, a quick edition of Too Much Money in Football? Yeah, I think this week it's entirely justified. <laughs> <laughs> so Chris, Chris Ash, uh, let, let's look up. What is, what is Chris Ash's record? Chris Ash, first time head coaching job at Rutgers, finishes with an 8-32 and 32 record as the Rutgers head coach, including a 3-26 and 26 Big Ten record. <laughs> His only Big Ten wins came in 2017. And how much did this man make in his buyout? This man got an $8 million buyout. So over the next <laughs> over the next three, three years, Chris Ash can do anything he wants, and he's been going to be collecting over $2.5 million a year. That is incredible. I want Chris Ash's agent. I just want to make that clear. If you're listening, first of all, that is truly incredible. And I might actually have a shot at, at you being my agent. <laughs> <laughs> but what did this man do to make that to get that negotiating position? That is a ludicrous amount of money and a ludicrous amount of years. I mean, he he went two and ten in his first year and four and eight in his second year, and he got a five year contract extension. Now, I think with the contract extension, I think this actually goes back to the original contract um, where the extension was then mandated if there was a uh, any allegations against the previous regime. But how he got that in the first place, I have no idea. Yeah, it's, it's unbelievable. Even the offensive coordinator, who they also let go, predictably, he's going to make $900,000 in the buyout. So... Um, Will, that leads me to a question. What would you do with $8 million? Uh, I'll, I'll certainly, I'm just going to answer this question. You didn't ask it. Yes, I will go coach Rutgers for $8 million. I'm happy. <laughs> I thought I had answered, but, but not, <laughs> not that many, apparently. How many wins would you get coaching Rutgers? We give you a five-year contract. I, I think it's possible to get three wins by year five. I mean, I go with the, I go with the Jeff Munkin <laughs> approach. Actually, and, and I'm I'm scared because they're talking about bringing him over from Army to Rutgers. But, you know, there are ways to play football where you just maximize variance and you're going to win it some of the time. So and I, I could pay as, as well as the rest of them. I'm, I'm confident <laughs> of that. I'm worried that you might get killed in the process. <laughs> that the players, the players yeah. saying, wait, I'm taking orders from this guy who's. 5'10", 150 pounds, has never played football in his life, and he's making $8 million, there might be some sort of mutiny in that. Well, I don't know if uh, Chris Ash's height really justifies his, his salary, but, you know, Nick, I'd like to add my height is, is average <laughs> for the American man. We really need to go after that. Globally above average. Globally above average. That's right. I am globally above average. Uh, an $8 million contract well, is also globally above average, I suppose. 
<laughs> well, that feels like a, a good stopping point. Maybe if we get $8 million, we can uh, buy ourselves a little bit more recording equipment, maybe some marketing for the podcast. We could do a lot. The podcast could be a big thing with $8 million. Yeah, that's right. And I could buy some of those like heels like Saban has. So I'd be even above average height. Oh, there you yeah. go. There you go. Maybe even one of his hats. Well, anyways, we will be back uh, talking about the the rest of a big weekend in college football. Would have been really nice had Mac Brown been able to squeak one out against Clemson. And we'll talk uh, Iowa coming up this weekend. You're listening to 16 Saturdays. Welcome back here, 16 Saturdays. It does feel good, Will, to, to be saying that after a win. It does feel good, no matter the circumstance. It's 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 less of a chore, that's for sure. <laughs> if we win this week, it might actually be considered fun. I think for the first time this season. I would look this forward season. to podcast recording for the first time since the preseason. I think that's <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> I would start to read Emgo blog without a sense of dread. This is still an if. This is still an if. But we are getting into the meat of the season, Nick. And some of the, you know, this this week, maybe not as many good games. But uh, coming up, we've got a lot of big games coming up two, three weeks from now. As you look into the meat of that season, what's an acceptable amount of football to watch on a weekend with your significant other? Yeah, and we should give some context there. So this weekend, Will and I took a little trip to New Hampshire with Kara and Becky up at the up at the lake, Lake Winnipesaukee. Nice place to be on a on a beautiful fall Saturday. And we took the high road in this one. We we did not watch the game live. Uh, we ended up actually a this should be a, a sponsor of ours at some point, but Fubu TV. Little known fact that'll let you rewind live TV seventy two hours. So we signed up for a free account and <laughs> got to remember to cancel that. Only one At week of free account. So <laughs> <laughs> exactly a little PSA there, and we were able to watch the game uh, spread out and it was a little more relaxed. Um, to be honest, I thought that was a pretty good way to do it for Rutgers week. Kara asked, you know, how she asked me. I think today actually, you know, just how big of a deal is it? for you to not watch the game there? Were you, were you actually sort of worried about it? And I said, you know, for Rutgers week, you know, it's okay. It's okay for Rutgers week. For this week, I would really not be wanting to, to watch that on delay. It is tough precedent to set because you're, you're dealing with a situation where your significant other is always questioning, do you really need to watch this one live? And so having hammered home over really the course of five years for, for both of us, the importance of the live watch 
not even put, making any sort of argument about it this week was a little dangerous in terms of precedent setting, um, at least on my side. I got some raised eyebrows and, uh, oh, this is interesting. I didn't know that it was acceptable. Yeah. <laughs> I think you have to make a very clear Rutgers rule there. It's a bye week and a Rutgers rule. Yeah. And there could be something to, I mean, I always, you know, me, we'll we'll love watching football all day, but September, especially a September where there really haven't been that many big games. I think it's okay for it to be a little bit lighter. You're still in a sort of summer mode. There's a lot of trips on September weekends. Once you get into October, I think you want the precedent to shift more towards, you know, we can do something before noon. Ideally, maybe fit in a little <laughs> bit of college game day watching, you know, when you first wake up. But then after that, it's going to be a little sporadic. We're going to, you know, we're going to watch the noon games. We're going to then, you know, we go out, throw the football around and go for a little walk or something uh, until the second half of the 330 games, assuming that's not a, a Michigan game. And and then you're kind of settling it. You got the rest, you got the rest of your evening. <laughs> I do have to admit the NFL does this right in terms of uh, two things. One, shifting the season just a little bit later, having the meat of your season be in that November, December, January time when really there isn't a lot of fun to be had outside anyway, definitely helps you in terms of selling the sit in front of television all day to the significant other. Uh, and they do a lot better with the commercials. You can get a game in in three, three and a half hours versus three and a half to four with college football. Yeah, Will, have you ever watched the Red Zone, the NFL Red Zone? No, I've heard of this. I, I think it's it's sort of like crack. It's not the sort of thing. you. It's fun, but you're not supposed to do it because then it's it's hard to quit. I mean, I just think at the end of the day, your brain is so scrambled like I, I watched it one time because Kara's dad is big into fantasy football and it is it is crack for a fantasy football fan. You're just constantly, you know, oh, wow, Tampa Bay's in the red zone. You know, is Mike Evans going to score a touchdown? And then you're freaking out and then it shifts you over somewhere else. And and it, it really is hard to pull yourself away. Like at the end of a day watching the red zone, I, I don't know how people sleep. <laughs> like you're just so wired. So watching the red zone though, how do you get in tune with the storyline of any given game? Is it really just a... A show for fantasy players. Oh yeah, you don't yeah. care at all about the, about the game. <laughs> you mean who know? I mean, you know that like a lot of points are being scored in like the Rams Seahawks game, but you don't know what the score is or who's winning or losing. You just know that there's a lot of points. Where you do know who's winning or losing is you know that if one team is down by a lot, they're probably going to be throwing the ball a lot. And so if you have that you know receiver on that team, it's a good thing. But you are entirely focused on on your fantasy fantasy team. It's 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 really not a good experience. I think it's it's sort of the uh, in, in some ways the best and the worst of modern society. But uh, I I think if they did something where it was just no commercials, college football, so you, you know you could automatically switch to whatever game was was not on commercial, and you could maybe choose two or three, and you're switching back and forth. That to me would be that would be a service I would pay for. Now, Nick, would you, you're, you're a big fantasy guy and you're a big college football guy, but you don't have the NFL allegiances like many do. Would you rather that your fantasy play was at the college level? Would you want fantasy NCAA football? 
Or do no, you like no. Do you like the NCAA to be pure, where you care about wins and losses and teams, and the NFL to be this schizophrenic mess of competition that you call fantasy? <laughs> I like that they're separate. I can't imagine having fantasy in college. Um, one, I mean, the, the, there's just no parity. You know, the people are playing wildly different opponents. It wouldn't, it wouldn't really make that much sense. Um, well, there's be, also that would be the excitement of it, though, is that you'd be picking somebody, whoever's playing Rutgers, right? You're going to pick that. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah. See, I think you, you got to have a little bit. You got to have some some standards. Um, <laughs> So no, no, I, I like that it's I like that it's separate. Got it, got it. Well, we we digress, Nick. Um, should we talk about this this weekend and and what we would have seen had we spent less time with with Kara and Becky? Not saying that that would have been a good idea. Um, yeah, let's do a quick let's do a quick rundown. We haven't we haven't done one in a while here on the pod. Um, UNC the Mac Brown era almost got off to a big start. They score to pull within one with a minute 17 to go. They decide to go for two, run the option play out wide, and Clemson's just too fast on D. Clemson holds on 21-20, but what could have been for Mac Brown in North Carolina? Yeah. Now, Nick, I like, personally, there's a lot of second-guessing this play call to go for two. I like going for that gut punch, even though it does tell Clemson they now need to drive down the field and be aggressive. Uh, I think arguably it's the right call. I'm not sure that you want to try to beat Clemson to the corner. You're just not going to have foot speed on that Clemson defense. Yeah, I like it too. Uh, I think Clemson probably would have gone down and kicked a field goal and won, and won the game had they had they actually converted with, on the two. But you know, give your defense a chance. And and I I think it was a it was a gutsy play call there. Um, so. Hats off to Mac Brown. I really did not think we'd be talking about Mac Brown on the podcast at all. Um, Will Notre Dame wins over UVA, ranked team there in the ACC, but they lose two big defenders. That could be big uh, when Michigan plays them in a couple weeks. Yeah, obviously you never like to see anybody get hurt from a purely selfish perspective. It's a it's a best case scenario. Uh, Notre Dame getting the win um, and and maybe not being quite as intimidating uh, when we go down to play them end of the month. That's right. And, and they're actually coming up to play us. So um, even better, even better for us. Um, <laughs> oh, <laughs> that's right. We're going to be there. We're going to be there. Ohio state cruises 48, seven. And I just got to say poor Nebraska. I, this would have been such a fun one for the folks in the Cornhusker state to, to, to pull out, but it just was a disaster from the get go. Yeah, I don't know that the Scott Frost era is going to last uh, more than three or four years. I, I I just don't think he's going to be able to get them over the hump. And the expectations in Lincoln, while not Ann Arbor-sized, are still higher than they're really going to be able to achieve in Nebraska. It's, it's not Oklahoma, um, and they're not getting that national recruiting draw. They're just not able to keep up with teams like Ohio State. And across the border from Nebraska, Oklahoma goes over 50 again. Is this the third straight year that a Sooner quarterback is going to win the Heisman Trophy? You know, after watching, uh, or not watching, but hearing about the Clemson game <laughs> this weekend, guess I exposed myself earlier there. Uh, I, I think he's got a good chance. I think he's got a good chance. Jalen Hurts is is having a phenomenal year, and it's clear sailing for them. They, they look look good towards the playoff. 
That's right. So, Will, let's move on to Iowa this week. Big game for Michigan. Iowa coming in highly ranked. How much breathing room does a win give you if, if you're Jim Harbaugh? Unfortunately, and this is why Jim's paid the big bucks, uh, a win gives you exactly two weeks of breathing room until you play Penn State. Um, you win this game, everybody says, okay, you can beat a top 15 team at home, but that's not what you're here to do. You're here to beat a top 10 team on the road. You're here to beat Ohio State, uh, you know, at least half the time. So it doesn't give you a lot, but it's a whole lot better than a loss. Yeah. I mean, I do think it would be big for the players. It's, you know, give, give some, some positive vibes, some good momentum. It'd be good for recruiting, which has got to have taken a little bit of a hit with some of the uncertainty there at the beginning of the season. Good for getting the, the coaches, you know, a little bit more momentum and finding an identity as, as play callers. Well, I sort of have thought about the, the season thus far and bear with me here as I go into this metaphor. It's a little bit like, you know, you're going out for the night. You're going maybe downtown, you're going to the, the bars or, or the clubs, whatever you're into. Uh, but you're just stone cold sober. You know, like you've had a long, a long week, maybe a lot of, a lot of work. There's a lot on your mind and you're walking into this bar. That's just kind of overwhelming scene. And, you know, you're a cool guy. You're good at dancing and everything. And, you know, you, you could hang out with people. You maybe, you know, some of the people there, but you've lost me in this metaphor at this point. I, I can't, <laughs> <laughs> you're just not going to be in the mood to perform your best. And, 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 you know, the song comes on and, and you're struggling to, to feel the vibe. You just aren't, aren't there, but you know, it's in there somewhere. How do you get that feeling of, of flow on the dance floor? <laughs> <laughs> to come back. You got to get a couple good songs going. You maybe get a couple drinks once you're out there, but early on you're sober, you know, and you got you to gotta feel the vibe. All right. So a few things. We're not encouraging any of our, any of our players, especially those, those younger among them um, to be going out to the clubs or doing any drinking. Uh, two, I think last week was a little bit worse than going to the club sober. I think that's the equivalent of clearing out the, some space, for you to, to bust a move, if you will, and then busting your nose while trying to do the worm. Um, you get wet all over yourself, mm. a little Wisconsin on your shirt. Um, and that's that's really where we are. Um, it's you, You're still feeling some embarrassment even after this week. But you're right. You're right. Maybe this week was was drink number one, song number one. And we've, we've got a couple more to go before you're really hitting your groove. How frequently are you breaking out the the worm early on in the on the dance floor? You're not feeling it early on, but you're like, you know what? I'm just going to try to do the worm. We're gonna- sober. <laughs> sober worm. <laughs> That's a recipe for for breaking the nose for sure. Um, well, we'll we'll have a lot to talk about one way or another. Huge game, uh, Michigan and Iowa at noon, um, and then the the nightcap in the Big Ten: Michigan State versus Ohio State. Any uh, any chance that the Spartans are going to pull the upset? I, I don't see it happening. Not down at the shoe. I just don't think Michigan State has enough talent on the offensive side of the ball this year to really threaten and pull the upset the way that they have sometimes in the past. Then again, Ohio State lays an egg every year. It just doesn't happen to be against Michigan. So maybe it's a- yeah. Well. We'll see if it's one of those uh, like rainy, windy days. I could see Michigan State keeping this close for a while, but I, I do think at the end of the day, Ohio State too tough. Um, and will Michigan, Iowa, who you got? Got to got to roll with the boys in blue. I think you're going to see more offense like we saw this week—a simplified play calling set and 
we're going to we're going to move the ball. It's a question of whether our defensive tackles can stand up and we can keep this score. If, if the winning team has scored less than 35 points, I think Michigan's won the game. All right. There you have it. There you have it. Will, any final thoughts here? Well, yeah, I want to I want to hear who you've got in this game. I just went out <laughs> boys in blue. <laughs> I think my answer is going to be going to be a little bit simpler. I, th- I think Michigan wins it. I think it's a it's a momentum builder. Um, I do think the, the defense will 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 play better. And I think we'll see a lot from the offense. So um, let's hope we've got good things to talk about next week. All right, Nick, I'll leave you with uh, with a question. Who's got it better than us? Well, Chris Ash no longer has to coach Rutgers, and he's got eight million dollars coming his way for sitting on his couch. So that sounds pretty good. He could even convert to being a Michigan fan, and then he's got really everything going for him. But um, until that day comes, he still had to deal with Rutgers for four seasons, which is a which is a chore. So I'll say I'll say nobody's got it better than us. Go blue. Go blue. Go blue. said pick me up at eight all the pretty girls said i'm going to la all the pretty girls said i hate my hair talking to the mirror